Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Recorded live. Welcome, everybody. This is call number three, class number three for your abundance identity. Hi, it's Janet here. And I want to say um, fantastic work you guys are doing. I have been keeping an eye on things in the Facebook group and looking at the questions that people have been asking, which are awesome. I haven't yet had a stinky question. I'm not anticipating one. I don't think there's any such thing as a stinky question. But you guys are asking some fabulous um, questions. Today we've got a few people on the line and we've got a few people in chat. So um, I am going to be inviting questions and also progress reports in a moment because I said Right at the start of this, I said, look, I could probably teach this material in a couple of weeks or just one single long session. But the point of this whole program is to get you implementing and doing the actual, walking the actual path. Because it's one thing to be told, you know, me telling you what to do. It's like I'm giving you a map, which is great, but sometimes it's a bit more helpful to have a, a, a sort of support for the journey itself. And I did send out an email because I know that there are some people who have been listening to the recording, doing the work and not at the moment participating in the Facebook group and that is totally fine. I just wanted to nudge everybody and make sure that everybody is um, uh, has is either looking at beginning the work if they haven't already or is getting back into the work if they had t- taken a break and that th- those who are, have been doing the work are, are feeling uh, supported enough because I don't want to be doing that thing that um, happens with some programs where people feel like they're getting a bit left behind and then they don't know how to catch up. So if that's you, please make sure that you um, reach out for, for help. Uh, guest 6 is saying she can't hear anything. Uh, let me just do a quick response in the chat room because she won't hear me. Uh, hi, Guest 6. Try logging out and back in for a different browser. It's a bit hard to do tech support in the chat room while I'm actually talking to you guys at the same time. Uh, so, sorry, um, we have started. Okay. <clears throat> um, I want to begin this week with a couple of, just a couple of reminders. First of all, you guys have only been doing this work for two weeks, even though this is our third time of catching up together. But you've actually only been doing the work for two weeks. So, if you have any sense of where's my stuff or why isn't the money showing up yet or anything like that, that's okay. This is a, this is a, um, a, a you are rewiring your brain here, and this is not something that happens overnight. It does happen. We didn't. We used to think that it couldn't happen at all. We used to think that adult humans couldn't change their brains at all. We now know that that's not true. And we, as a human species, we thought that. Well, as a certainly in the Western culture, I don't actually know whether. Eastern cultures knew that we could change the brain. I have a suspicion they might have. But here in the West, um, which is where most of us have our lineage, um, at least in you know anybody who's over the age of about 20, 
most of us grew up being taught that you couldn't change the adult human brain. And we may not have been taught it consciously, but we were taught it unconsciously. We, we grew up in, the, in a world where that was the truth. That was the only uh, reality. So getting our heads around the fact that we can change our brains, that in itself is a, is a bit of an undertaking. And this is why I wrote the book. This is why I kind of bang on about it all the time. I keep reminding not just you guys, but myself as well, that brains are designed for change. They are designed for rewiring. And that's what we're doing. So wherever you are on the path is perfectly okay, is perfectly right, and just keep going. That was the first thing I wanted to say. The second thing I want to just talk about for a moment is um, the concept of identity. We have, um, uh, when I use the phrase, when I use the term identity shifting, what I'm really talking about, I'm not so much talking about, well, no, I'll preface this again. Um, we all of us have our core self, our core true authentic self. <clears throat> we came into the planet, we didn't come here as a blank slate. We came into the planet and then we learned a whole lot of stuff and we've, we've enhanced areas of our core self that, are, that make us feel even more grounded and true and authentic and, and powerful. And there are other areas where we've taken on board stuff that doesn't serve us. And what psychologists call this, and astrologers as well, by the way, um, this sense of how things are that doesn't quite gel with who we truly are, it, it, this is our self-image. This is our acquired identity, if you like. And that's what we're looking to shift. Um, the, the, so when, when I talk about identity shifting, I am not talking about changing who you truly are because you can't change that. That is always there. This, this core sense of self is always there. But if our self-image, if our acquired identity is something other than that, if it is dissonant or incoherent, as Fabeco would call it, then it is... Uh, it's not going to serve us. There's a tension between our core authentic self who knows who we truly are and what, we, what we're worthy of, what we deserve, what we can get, what we can have, who we can be, what we can do, all of those things. If our self-image says something else, something different, this acquired identity says something different, that's when it, we, have, we, we expend an inordinate amount of energy trying to reconcile the two things because they don't match each other. Then they're, they're not... They're not they're not resolved and we, we expend all this energy trying to find ways to resolve them. And once we become aware of this and we can start to choose a different self, a different acquired identity, if you like, we can start to say, right, I want my self-image, my acquired identity to be a closer match, to be a match for who I truly am. And that's inclu that includes your abundance identity. So all the stuff that we've been talking about with money, all of the stuff you've been writing in your letters to money, all of the stories that you decided to take a pause from, all of the stuff that you've been working with around uh, using Vibrary Hab for those who have, around anxiety or shame or guilt or whatever it might be, all of those things, those are all part of that old acquired identity. What you are doing now is you are choosing a different self-image, a different identity, and you are teaching it to your brain. <laughs> this is the fun part. So this is what we're going to be talking about today, a little later on in the call. We're going to be talking about implementation. So where we're at right now is we're at the point of 
we, we've started unhooking from that old acquired identity. And I know that for some of us, this process can feel unsettling because we've been so familiar with it. Our brain has had this um, unhelpful but very comfortable sense of who we are when it comes to our relationship with money and abundance. And now we're, we're throwing that out. We're telling our brain that doesn't apply anymore. And our brains kind of can be, this doesn't apply for everyone, but I know a couple of people have mentioned it in the, in the Facebook group, a sense of unease and finding it kind of scary to let go of that old identity. Um, this is not, um, this is, this is a, one of many normal responses to the idea of letting go of that old identity. This is why we're crafting a new one and this is why this week we'll start implementing it, that new identity. Because this is not this is not a threshold. This is not like a hard, fast threshold where you go, right, I'm switching off the old identity, I'm switching on the new one and, and it, there's a kind of clunk between the two. There certainly can feel like a click of recognition, <laughs> but as you're rewiring your brain, it's a process. It's, it's, a, it's a process and I don't believe that it has to take a long time. The more willing you are to kind of take that leap of faith and launch into the unknown a little bit, the easier it is to unhook from the old identity and allow the new identity to become grounded and really centred in your everyday ordinary life. And that's the key. That's the aim. So before we dive into implementation, I do want to do a bit of a roundup of a progress report. So I'm just going to go quickly through what we have talked about. We've talked about vibration rehab. So you, with that, you will have been working with your sensory pleasure items. And I hope that they are instantly available to you that they are something you can carry in your pocket or on your person that, that gives you that flood of, of sensory delight. You've been practicing not telling the old stories as much as possible. You've been practicing the idea of only doing things that involve money when you're actually doing it. So not predicting into the future, not playing that. This is one of the reasons that I asked Steffi to put a... Uh, Steffi had very kindly offered to start a conversation about financial planning and I really wanted to say we don't do that just yet because this is about this is an action to do with your future money yes by all means we want to do that but I'd like to get the identities grounded first before that conversation happens and I will be asking Steffi if she'll if she's still willing to do that a little further down the track um, but anything that we anything to do with our actual day-to-day -day money the idea was we don't we don't sit and stew about a bill that is due we only think about it as far as possible when we're actually taking care of business. We get in, we take care of business, we get out again. So there was an, you know, that was one of the things that we talked about doing early on. And the homework that you guys have been doing, I'm hoping since last week, is crafting your new abundance identity. And I do want to refer to one question that was asked, Julie. This was your question that you asked in in the Facebook group. And I thought this is such a great question. I really wanted to bring it to the call today because I think this goes to the heart of what we're talking about here. This distinction between our sense of this acquired identity and the, 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 the our ability to step up and crea create and craft a new identity that we can inhabit straight away because that's the aim. We don't want to be crafting an identity that, that, that relies on us having money in order to get there. That's that's kind of backwards. <laughs> so, um, Julie, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bring up my Facebook um, 
feed. Sorry, I'm just getting rid of messages from my mum. We had very wild weather here in Ballarat last night and I am absolutely thrilled that we got the power back. We had the power out for about three hours. So I'm really thrilled that I have power, which means I can make this call. So here we go. Chris, Julie says, quick question, with the full understanding that this may be a topic that's coming up. Um, one of the things I catch myself using a lot is, when I have the money, I will do this. And... Um, and she says, I think it may be keeping me from having any money today. And I think this is a really good example of um, your abundance identity, this new identity that we are crafting, will not be thinking that. That is not a thought that that identity will have because that identity already has everything she needs. <clears throat> so she won't be, she won't be sort of uh, coming from that sense of uh, thinking I, I will do this when I have the money. And yet we've got this reality that we live in that says, well, if I don't have the money to do X, Y, and Z, then how on earth do I do it? So we we need to kind of, we need to get really nuanced about this. One of the ways to do this, and this is a really useful um, uh, useful strategy to bring when we are crafting our abundance identity. So for example, actually, Julie, um, you're on the line, aren't you? I think Julie's on the line. Oh, she may not be anymore. Um, I've got a couple of people who've um, not in the not on the call anymore. But let me just double check my chat window is still working. Yes, it is. Um, so uh, this this may not be a question that is isolated to Julie. So is there anyone on the line who's got this question? Who's had this question at play? And we can actually tease out. A kind of real life example. I'm happy to do it as a theoretical thing, but if we've got anyone on the line who wants to tease it out with a specific example, that would be great. This is Catherine. If no one else is going to step up, when I have—I haven't said this, but it sounds like a good time to do it. When I have <laughs> the money, I will move. Right. Okay, that's an awesome example. That is an awesome example. Now, I know that you you work with Jackie Gates and you do the work around your home already. Is that right? Uh, we finished uh, uh, in January. So I'm still working okay. on it myself. Yes, excellent. <clears throat> so so as you, as you are creating this new abundance identity, what are the characteristics Anna, of the I'm place? here. You're there too. Oh, awesome. Okay, well, had, I'm going to work with I, both. I couldn't. I It died, and so here I am. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll go back and listen to the recording, I promise. As soon that's as it's okay. up. That's okay, but that's fine. Is that Julie? <laughs> yes, it's Julie. Yes. Okay, Julie, I, I'll circle back around, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to Catherine's example first, and then we'll talk about your specific example, if, if we can tease out one of your examples as well. Would that be okay? Fabulous. Fabulous. Awesome. Okay. So, Catherine, when you're thinking about moving, do you know the qualities of the place that you're moving to and the, how it's going to make you feel? Um, I have some, like I want a quiet place uh, uh, that has internet reception, mm -hmm. <laughs> a nice view, clean air, that, that, you know, how I will right. feel, peaceful and calm. Okay. So one of the things that we know about your abundance identity is that her environment supports her in feeling peaceful and calm. Yes? 
Yes, yes, I like that. Okay, so this is where we get really skillful. We all of us have to do this, by the way. We will all have areas where we think we can't do this because we don't have the money yet. So this is where we get really skillful at kind of skipping the middleman. So rather than giving your environment the credit for the feeling of peaceful and calm, it's about finding ways to get to peaceful and calm before the environment changes. Mm-hmm. Now there are things there are things you can do in your in, in your current environment to enhance the feeling of peace and calm. I think you talked about I'm sure I remember hearing you talk not long ago or reading something on Facebook where you were talking about decluttering, that you're going through a decluttering process at the moment. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's still in progress. Progress, yes. Yes. If can you imagine a time just Temp- just for the moment, imagine a time when the decluttering is finished and you look around in your current environment, but you look around and there is nothing there that looks like clutter or extraneous stuff and there and it is and it is clear and clean and it is just the stuff you love. Yes, I can you imagine what Yes. And what does that feel like? Um very freeing. Right. Does it feel more peaceful and calm than where you started out? Uh, a, a little bit. Most of the uh, environment that is not peaceful is the outside noise. Right. Which then makes it difficult for me to try to do stuff like declutter and other things where I have to focus. Okay. So with the outside noise, is that neighbours or is it industrial? What kind of noises are we talking about? Neighbours barking dog uh, that they go off and leave it. We have reached a compromise. Uh, well, we've discussed it because it's, it's what do you call, disturbing the peace. And um, yes. yep. the dog is obviously not happy. And they, their situation has changed in that he's working out of state a lot and the wife is not feeling well so they've decided to find new homes for the dog and in the meantime okay. I've deepened my meditation before I spoke to him I you know tried to go deeper and deeper to be calm even with the noise but mm-hmm. yeah uh, so that has been that that just is where we're at now it hasn't happened yet but it's much better and uh, I have one bookcase totally empty and I like to look at it <laughs> wow that's really awesome. So can you so would it be a stretch for you to take credit for the fact that things are changing with your outside environment before you even have the money to move? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So the decluttering and the way that you have been focusing on peace and calm despite your external environment is now affecting your outside environment. Uh, okay. Does that does that do you get a sense of how powerful that is? Yes, I'm be, I'm beginning to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it looks honestly, it, because this is not how most of us were trained about how the world works, about how things work, it, it can be really difficult to kind of, to stop and actually recognize our own power. I'll tell you a story about our own noisy neighbors some years ago. Um, my husband and I had bought a house and... The, our next door neighbours, we found out after we'd moved in, was this 
uh, there was a very nice lady who lived there who spent a lot of her time traveling um, she, for work. Uh, I can't remember what she did, some kind of social welfare. And she had her 20-something daughter living there and who was lovely, but her 20-something daughter and her 20-something friends liked to, as young people will, like to sit out in the back garden with a few beers and solve the problems of the world every night until about 3 a.m. And they did it. They, they were incapable of doing it quietly. So this was not... And they did have one particular guy who actually they ended up having to throw out. He was a sort of house guest and they had to throw him out, which was a bit un- noisy and unhelpful. And it was that was a bit, you know, police in the middle of the night kind of thing. <clears throat> but gen- but generally, this was a household full of nice, nice but noisy people. And it used to drive me nuts. I'd wake up <clears throat> to go for a pee in the middle of the night and I wouldn't be able to get back to sleep and I'd be lying there just rigid with outrage. I did not want to be the neighbour who goes and tells her next. I did not want to be the neighbour who is um, a joy killer because these these kids were not doing anything harmful. They were having a good time. They were chatting. They were laughing. They were... It wasn't aggressive. It wasn't... I don't know. There was nothing nasty about it. I didn't want to be that neighbour who does that. And yet it was driving me nuts. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I have to find a solution to this. And I knew that the solution lay in me, not in them. And I had to find a way to reconcile with it. So I drilled down to ask myself, what exactly is it that pisses me off so much about this? Why am I so rigid with outrage about this, about the noise? And why do I have this feeling that because it wasn't keeping me awake, except what was keeping me awake was the outrage, not the noise. And I eventually realized that what was really making me feel so outraged was actually the thought that they might wake my husband up. Now, he's sitting lying beside me snoring through all of this. So clearly, they weren't waking him up. So my outrage was completely unjustified. And in that moment where I recognized where the angst came from, it wasn't from them, it was from within me. It was my belief that they were spoiling my peace and quiet. Um, And in that moment, I suddenly, I actually kind of, chuckled to myself because I thought how ridiculous how I saw how ridiculous I was being I'm not suggesting that you are being ridiculous Catherine at all but in that moment I recognized how ridiculous I was being and that kind of helped to loosen the sense of outrage just enough so I went back to sleep and I went back to sleep kind of feeling like well I got to the bottom of some of that we'll see what you know we'll see what happens and now my job is to get okay with them being noisy on my behalf and I'm not kidding, that weekend they moved out. We had, there was no, no warning, there was no for lease sign, no for rent sign up on the house. Normal, very often in Australia when, when somebody has announced that they're, has, you know, announced they're finishing a lease on a, a rental property, uh, the signage will go up so that people can, so that the, the, the agency can rent it out again. That didn't happen. I, without warning, they were, they were just moving out. So, and that was the first time I think I really recognized that the power to to shift my experience of my environment lies mostly with me. It is a co-creation with me and other people, but the but the the power with it lies within. And Catherine, you've already done that. you've You've given a really good example of that where, You've been you've been decluttering, which increases your sense of peace in terms of the visual space around you. You know the way that you like to look at that empty bookcase 
if you're if you're meditating, you could do it if you're not already sitting in front of that empty bookcase and just staring at it and appreciating it. <laughs> That's what I'd be doing. Um, but you've also done it by just putting your focus on calm and peace. So so this sense that your abundance identity knows how to access her calm and peace, you, you kind of already have that going on. You just haven't really recognized your own power in that in that um in that specific topic. That makes sense? Yes. And Would you say that's a reasonable I was going to say it also brought up, you know, issues of my confronting people, and I'm I don't like to do that. And I had I'm try, I waited like a long time till I to figure out a, a you know gentle, soft way to to do it. So. Yeah. Mhm. And that might be something that is also a part of your abundance identity. Your abundance identity, when she's dealing with other people, may be very kind and compassionate and clear about her boundaries. Yes, that's the word. Clear about my boundaries. Yeah, awesome. So you're already doing the work and you didn't even know it. <laughs> I really like that. Um, thank you for that, Catherine. Julie, did you want to share yours, your um, example? Because uh, you asked the question in the Facebook group, so I think it's only fair. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly fine. Okay, good. I'm just I'm wearing headphones with one of those silly little microphones and I wanted to make sure... Um, it's all good. <laughs> just to kind of go back through in case somebody hadn't seen the Facebook group. Um, I read I read your question to. Uh, oh, we've already uh, done that. Oh, see. Hmm. Yeah. Thank Thank you, computer. Um, <laughs> so that's all right. So it happened for me right now. It happens a lot, yeah. and it can happen on everything from well, getting a new computer to, um, you know, getting a certain type of food this week or or being able to go out for dinner on occasion. Um, Right now, that's just kind of where I'm sitting. And so that's almost more prevalent than, um, than I can't afford it. Although they yeah. kind of intertwine, they do. So, they do intertwine. Yeah. yeah, and it can be, it can be anything. <laughs> yeah. So. Look, I, first of all, I want to say thank you for raising this question because I know that one of the, one of the things that comes up in when we talk when we you know in the, in self help world or LOA world when we talk about the topic of money, there is almost an assumption that, uh, that you can simply ignore money. And I don't. Obviously, that's not true. Obviously, we no. we need money. It's the, it's the fuel we we need in order to live, in order to feed ourselves, in order to put roof, put a roof over our heads. Um, so this is where one of the, you you guys may or may not have noticed when I when I shared that list of master questions about which the the master questions that I use that I like using to to drill down to that um to get to build a picture of that um new identity that abundance identity there was one glaring glaringly obvious omission from that list at no point in that list does it say how does she handle money or how does he handle money it's completely missing and there's nothing in there about how do they pay for the bill, how, how do they buy their food how do they pay their bills 
And that's deliberate because it is when we hit that sort of hard and pointy intersection of the current reality and what we're trying to create, that's where it can get a bit pear-shaped because our, fo our focus is so strongly on those nitty-gritty details. And we are so habituated to thinking, in order for, for me to have an abundant identity, I need money in order to do that. And, the, and of course, we know, you know, LOA world tells us and brain science tells us that we have to flip it around. We have to, we have to be able to have this self-image of abundance in order to open the door. So our brain allows money in. It's almost as, it's almost as clear as that. Not, that's a sort of shorthand for it. But basically, our brain will see opportunities for money that we will miss if our brain's idea, if our brain's acquired identity is scarcity. And if we are living in scarcity, then we are constantly <clears throat> giving our brain more evidence and more fuel for that abundance lack, for that for that lack identity that we've been living in. Exactly. So it, it can feel like, it can feel like a really big catch twenty two. And that this, I think the solution is very similar to what I've been talking about with Catherine. It is skip the middleman. So this and and. Believe it or not, this is actually a really. Um, if you ha if you're if like Julie, you've been feeling that that experience, having that experience of kind of constantly being aware of when I have the money, I'll do this. We want to use that. You can use that as a way to help craft your abundance identity. So let's just pick one example, Julie, and 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 tease out. See if we, well, we'll pick one, and then we'll see if we can pick another one, and see if you can tease it out. For yourself so do you want to just pick one to start with uh, that's so hard for me to do um, <laughs> um start with a small one let's just be being able to go out to eat once in a while okay what is it about being able to go out <laughs> to eat once in a while that lights you up what's the is it the is it the the feeling of being able to eat somewhere that isn't your home that's different? Is it the getting that somebody else does the work for you? Is it um, is it the opportunity to eat things that you've never eaten before? What's the what is the what's the thing that makes it so attractive? Well, two out of the three. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, <laughs> which two? I'm not very I'm not I'm not very adventurous when it comes to food but <laughs> better but not you know um mm -hmm. so yes i i i know i'm going to shock people not because just i do not like to cook and so and i'm i i'm currently living in a situation that does not have a a kitchen that is conducive to cooking and right. doing the actions that are needed to cook and that's making it worse. And <laughs> but we're not no. talking about worse. We're talking about better. Mm. Um, no, no. But sometimes you've got to talk about the worse in order to figure out the better. So that's okay. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, so yes, going somewhere that's other than home. Um, eating eating food that I really like. Um, not having to cook all huge 
Um, okay. Yeah. We'll start there, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. If so, if we were to um, so so the so the current situation is you do cook even though you don't like to. Is that right? Yeah. Sort sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to see that a few details here. Okay. Bo- boxes so, and cans and you know. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so so the not liking cooking that's that's there is nothing shocking about that. Um I I have a love hate relationship with cooking. There are times where I absolutely love it and there are times where I kinda of go, Oh, I just can't be asked tonight. I just don't want to do it. Um <laughs> and uh there there is nothing inherently shameful about not liking to cook, especially if you don't like the kitchen you're in. Having said that, there are ways that you can get around this within your own mind and that's what's really important at the moment because yeah. the one thing I want to say to everybody on this, uh, in this program is I am not about, I'm not about to start encouraging people to spend money that they don't comf- that feel comfortable spending. So I'm not going to do that thing of saying, well, you should just go out and put it on a credit card. I'm not going to do that because I think mm. that just adds to the sense of, of, of attaching eating out with um you know going into debt that no that's never going to be a, a comfortable place to go and i don't, I'm not, and, we don't want to do that and actually i can attest to that doesn't work because exactly <laughs> because i went yeah. way into debt by thinking that i was just like oh yeah spend whatever you want and it'll come back yeah so yeah yeah poster child and, and that's not necessarily i, I just want to say that thought <laughs> I can spend whatever I like because it'll come back. That is a perfectly valid thought. However, if your brain isn't on board with that, if your brain's real belief is, if I enjoy myself and spend money, I will go into debt, then that's what will you'll experience. So there is this sense where you've got to be very mm. discerning with your own awareness to be able to say, okay, what does my brain really believe here? And you get you get two choices when you know what your true belief is, whether it's right or wrong. It's your just your brain's opinion. You can either change that core belief, but if you, that, it's not a core, it's not a core value. It's a but it's maybe a deeply held belief. You can either change that belief, or you can honour it, which means abiding by its rules. And you can you can you can work towards changing it while you abide by its rules. You can sort of you can play with this a little bit, but what you don't want to do is to sort of stick your fingers in your ears and go la 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 while your brain is firmly adhering to the belief that enjoying yourself and spending money will result in debt. If that's the belief that you have, then that's exactly what will happen. Um, you know, your you your it, it it becomes a barrier to income. It becomes a barrier to creative solutions um, because that's mm-hmm. that's the that's the current acquired identity and we don't want to kind of um, you're kind of embedding yourself even deeper in that if you ignore that that's what it is so that's it's worth saying that up front to say I'm not about to suggest that however having said that there are some creative solutions that you could bring to the table so for example you might find you might do some research on food preparation techniques that you don't hate you might not love them, but you won't hate them. <laughs> you could uh, decide to find some 
uh, and I know that you guys are going are heading into spring, so you may not be able to do it just yet, although you might have a clever solution to this. I can tell you now, English people are very, very good at going on picnics in the depths of winter. <laughs> they do not need a sunny day to go on a picnic. I can remember as a child having picnics in the car by the side of the highway. It wasn't a highway then, by the side of the main road, just looking out at the fields. That was a picnic. Um, and as a kid, I didn't know any better. I didn't know that there were rules that said that, that going out to eat should look a certain way. I just had fun because I wasn't eating at, the, at home. I would scarf down sandwiches that previously my I would have turned up my if I was if I was handed a sandwich on a plate at home, I would have played with my food. I would have pulled the middle of it, the filling out. I would have done all the things that little kids do when they find their food boring. Um, but it, give it to me on, in a car on the side of the road in the pelting down rain, and I would scarf it down like I hadn't eaten in a week. Um, you you can play with this. I would bring some playfulness to the thing. I would I would be playing with ideas okay. for ways that will activate those those ingredients. So what we want to look at, um, and you can do this with all of the things that you've been having, you know, wherever you've had that thought about when I've got the money, I will do X, Y, and Z. You can use that to drill down and find out what are the ingredients that light you up. So we know it's the somebody else is doing the hard work. Well, really what that means is I'm not working that hard. Mm. So we drill down to, I don't have to work that hard around food. I mean, when you go to a restaurant, you still have to do a bit of work. You have to read through the menu. You have to make decisions. You have to, get, you have to make sure they've understood your order. There's still some work involved. It's not the same kind of work, but there's still a bit of work involved. So it's not like you're completely off the hook. They don't, they don't, you don't walk in and they read your mind and they immediately bring you exactly what you wanted before you even knew it. That's not how restaurants work. There's still some, there's still some give and take involved. So we know that you want to work less hard and you want to do it in a way that you enjoy a little bit more. So researching food preparation techniques that you might not hate. Um, if you know Jamie Oliver's work at all, go back and look at The Naked Chef which is his cookbook for very, very basic cooking. Or if you just can't stand cooking at all, look at different ways to make sandwiches or salads or whatever. Um, and then look at options for taking your food somewhere new. Okay. Okay. What is that? Can you, can you see how this is opening the door? This is not taking you the full way, but it's opening the door to that sense of, you know what, I get to eat out whenever I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Or there's a certain, yeah, there's a certain feeling that you get with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess and I yeah. have already started that because I, I'm, <laughs> Catherine, I'm decluttering my kitchen. So <laughs> to make it easier <laughs> to easier to maneuver in um so that's okay so yay for that okay and awesome. i will go look up mr jamie yeah jamie oliver um you can probably borrow a copy <laughs> of his book from your library yeah uh oh yeah and if they and I don't know about in the States, but and I, I'm guessing it depends on the local library service, but here in, certainly in my state in Victoria, if a library doesn't hold a copy of the book you want, you can ask them to get it for you as an exchange from another library. 
as a as a loan from another library. So you mm-hmm. may it's worth asking. It's worth yeah. asking about that. <clears throat> yeah. I actually I mean, when just we think went about, down the street from the main library, so oh, I think awesome. we're good. <laughs> awesome. So you have an infinite access to books. This is fabulous. Yes, actually, I do. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Julie okay. and uh, Catherine, thank, thank you so much for those two examples because I think this is, a, this is really helpful in leading into the, com- the, the topic for today. Um, because what we're talking about today is how to implement your, <clears throat> pardon me, your abundance identity. So I do want to find out, just get a feel for where people are at with crafting their abundance identity, with understanding what it is like, what that what that identity is like, what that 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 kind of self-image that you're going to create, what what that looks like. Um, so does anybody want to comment either in chat or on the line about where they're at with that work? It's okay to say you haven't done it yet. <laughs> well, this is Julie again. I guess I'll chime in. Um, <laughs> Go for it. Um, as, as I said on one of the comments on that that question that I that I had on Facebook, um, I'm I'm doing a lot of Pinterest where mm. I'm finding pictures of things that I really, you know, that really say, you know, luxurious abundant. and abundant to me. Um, another, another Fabeku, as if we didn't advertise him enough so far. Um, (laughs) But we all really, so we all really adore him. We really adore him. He's fantastic. Um, So starting to get a picture in my head, but, uh, but like reading yours really helped with, with, um, directions I could go with it. So that really helped a lot. Awesome. Yes, I wanted to speak to that actually. Um, uh, Julie has been using a technique that we learned, um, uh, which is where you kind of just use, you use something like Pinterest to see what inspires you. And you just get a, it's not about logic in your mind. This is more about what what sings to you and what lights you up. Um, And the, the one thing I did want to say about that, and I hadn't really put this two and two together, Julie, until I read your question and saw the comment about Pinterest. It's we we can start there by all means, and right. what we want to do is so if you're looking at a thing or a place or something like that that lights you up and you go, my abundance identity would have that, or would go there, then that's only half the half the journey. The the other piece of the puzzle is sorry, mixing my metaphors like a mad woman. Um, mm-hmm. The other piece of the puzzle is to d- drill down to find out what the feeling is, what the ingredients right. are of that thing. So you might see. Um, I know, for example, that um, Dorothy. I'm going to um, uh, dob you in at this point. Dorothy has um, a particular place that she would love to have a home, and uh, my invitation to Dorothy around that would be to be looking at the ingredients of that. Is it easy access? Is it, and what is it about easy access to the beach that lights you up? Is it a connection to some sense of that's where I get to relax? Or is it because that's where you always took childhood holidays, it was at a beach? Or is it because 
somehow the beach life feels more free and easy? Um, or is it because I associate the beach with being warm? Whatever those ingredients are, it's it's our um, our, our the other part of the, the 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 puzzle, or the other part of understanding our our um, abundance identity, is to find out what's the thing that our abundance identity actually gets from that thing. So whether it's a thing or a place or a an adventure, a specific activity, um, for me it's travel. But it's it's never about the thing or the activity. It's about what the feeling that we get from it. So what does travel give me? It gives me a sense of exploration. One of my core values is discovery. Um, so I can get discovery through watching a documentary. I can get discovery through reading a book. I can get discovery through going somewhere and experiencing it. There are a lot of different ways that I can get that same um, feeling of discovery without necessarily having to leave my home. So what so that's what we want that's what we're looking to do. And that will help to again as I've just been talking with Catherine and um and with Julie being able to do that is is how we enable ourselves to inhabit the new identity before we have the money. And that's critical. That's the critical piece because doing that enables us to step into that new identity in order to help our brain understand that now we are open to abundance. And from that point, our brain will then start to see opportunities. It will start to feel much more comfortable with us doing things that will bring in money. Um, it changes our relationship with abundance at a neurological level um, by, by sort of being able to inhabit this identity. Uh, oh, great question. Uh, guest five, I've forgotten who you are. Um, I know you told me. It's Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Oh, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Um, okay, I've got something here that I really want to speak to. The thing that feels the most challenging for me is to adopt a new identity that I think my family may resent. I think this is a fantastic question and a fantastic awareness. And my answer to you is, it is not your job to keep your family happy. And I know this is a really hard one for us to get our heads around. And there are a couple of ways that we can soften this a little bit. One is to uh, is to understand that we can adopt this new identity and we don't have to kind of thrust it under our family's noses if we don't want to. Uh, another is the idea that, um, you know, it, it really isn't our job to to sort of um, guard our family's potential wounded feelings, uh, you know, my brother, um, bless his heart, my my brother, whom I love dearly, has been doing a job he hates for decades um, and making very good money at it, and um, he's also had some financial dramas as well. You know, I sort of think of him as the one who went off and did the job he hates in order to make money, and then I discovered that in fact um, there have been some financial problems with his with people who've not kept up their end of contracts and stuff like that so it's uh i know that there has always been a, a slight tension between us around the fact that i have for the most of my life i've only done jobs that i love I, it is just not in my nature to do work that i absolutely hate i've managed to do it maybe once or twice for about a year at a time <laughs> but that's about it and 
there's a sense of resentment because I live this, you know, I live this fantastic lifestyle and I do whatever I want and I do my job that I love and my brother's, he's he's never said that he's annoyed about it. But I know that there have been times where he's mocked my choice of career, um, especially when I was a professional performer. There was that sense of, uh, you know, you get to, it's all right for you. You you get to do this, um, to to have this life, and that doesn't thrill me. But I'm also very careful. I don't kind of wave it in his face deliberately. I don't. I don't. Um, you know, and I don't suppose any of you in this program are going to do this. I don't suppose for a moment that any of you are the kind of people who are going to kind of wave your success under somebody's nose in order to make them feel bad. And you don't get the credit for how they feel any more than they get the credit for how you feel. So this is definitely something that can have us feeling somewhat attached to the old identity, this sense of, but what if, what if, my relationships go go south what if my family never want to talk to me again and at the end of the day that's their choice it, it's going to be their choice and it doesn't mean to say that your life is broken <laughs> and it doesn't mean to say that you've decided to put money before family it just means that you've decided to open up to the abundance that you were born to that that is your natural um is your natural state and there's a really nice way of flipping this around. There is a couple of things that I want to just put, feed into the mix here. One is that when you, as you do this healing work around your relationship with your abundance and your money, um, there's a very strange dynamic that happens. And I mentioned this before on the previous call um, in passing. And I don't have solid neurological neuroscience evidence for how or why this happens. It's just an observation that I've made, that a lot of my colleagues have made, that when we do the healing work for ourselves, anybody who has been tangled up in the mm. stuff we are healing also receives the healing work. So if one of the things that's been holding you back from abundance is a sense that you're not sure how your family will deal with, the, with you being different, as you heal that, as you let go of that, as you become willing to do the work anyway, then the healing passes on to them. And you may find, it's not. I'm not saying that, I'm not making any guarantees here because I obviously can't control the universe much as I'd like to. Not the whole of it, only my bit. Um, but I am willing to, I would be willing to lay money on the possibility that as you do this healing work for yourself and you do it, you don't, Sort of, as I said, you don't wave it in their face. You don't try and change them. You don't try and make them behave any differently. But as you do the work and take responsibility for your own vibration, your own identity around abundance, that that will have a flow-on effect for them as well. Now, it might be because they see things being different for you at an unconscious level. So their mirror neurons are experiencing this. Everything when we, you know, when we look at somebody else's experience of the world when we're watching a character in a movie, when we're watching something happening to somebody that we're close to or somebody that we're near in a crowd, our mirror neurons light up as though it's happening to us. So that may be, that may be why this works. That may be the, the basis for it. But as I said, I, I'm not aware of any research into this that I can quote you. Um, but there will be a flow-on effect. And 
the, the flow-on effect works better when you're doing it for yourself, not in order to try and heal them, because you can't. You can't do it for them. You can't change them. You can't heal them. You can't help their... Um, you can't convince them. You can't... Um, you can't... Uh, you know, you can't sort of go up to them and say, I'm doing this amazing work and, it, and if you do it too, it will change you. It doesn't work like that. So please don't try and do that. <laughs> Just focus on you and and the work that you're doing and it will have this flow on effect. Um, okay, Amanda says, great description, sounds familiar. Yes, so hopefully that makes sense and that that helps with for anyone who's got that, that at the back of their minds, this sense of, but if I change who I am, if I change my self-image around abundance, what's that going to do to the people around me? The, the answer is, I don't know. Possibly bring them a benefit. It's certainly not going to make things any worse for them. And I would encourage you to do it because you're doing it for your benefit. And that has to be your priority in this situation. Because as you, as you shift this, this is the, this is the old oxygen mask um, metaphor writ large. You know, you put your own oxygen mask on and then you help other people. And, normal, and generally with this work, you help other people just by doing the work. They see it happening. And if they ask you how you did it, by all means, tell them. Um, but you don't want to be going in there and, um, uh, and making this about them. Okay, so we're nearly at the top of the hour and I haven't even started on implementation. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that. I'm going to assume that you are on board and that you are on track with, your, with crafting your abundance identity and what it looks like. If you haven't yet looked at my example in the Facebook group, I invite you to do that. Um, you'll find it in the posts there somewhere under my name. You can always do a in the Facebook. Um, there's always a search window. It changes depending on whether you're on a phone or a computer, but it'll be there somewhere. Um, so you can have a look at my examples. Um, you can um, you can by all means feel free to share yours if you would like to and as I said the one thing that is not there is how does this person handle money and the, there's an uh, there's a deliberate reason for that it's because we are focused on other things at the moment we will be looking at money and how you handle money and your nitty-gritty day-to-day relationship with money and money planning and all of those things a little further down the track so we will be looking at that, but, but the identity work comes first and then action. So we want to get this identity work really grounded um, before we sort of start looking at shifting our actions towards money. Having said that, by the way, um, I did have um, uh, a couple of comments in the Facebook group about getting inspiration. And if you have an inspiration to take a particular action, such as if somebody offers you a fantastic job and you feel the, the inspiration to take it, then go for it. If you have an inspiration to, um, uh, to change your bank account, then do that. If you have an inspiration to, um, you know, if, if you get that magnetic tug that is pulling you forward, so not something that's driving you from behind that's pushing you, but something that's pulling you forward that says, this is a brilliant thing to do right now, then be willing to listen to that and at least examine it. And Mercury going retrograde means if you are looking at contracts of any kind, I have to say this, it's kind of like in the rules. Um, if you're looking at contracts of any kind, please make sure you read every single detail and you cross every T and dot every I. It's perfectly fine to sign a contract during Mercury retrograde. You just have to be very aware of what it is you're signing. You're being, it's an invitation 
to look at the details. Okay, so what do we do with this identity profile once we have it built? We inhabit it. And there are two ways to do that. One way is by an act of imagination. And this is where things like affirmations, scripting, vision boards, Pinterest boards, if you use a Pinterest board for, for visualizing, anything that, that pulls you into that future identity as though it were happening now as an act of imagination, that will help to light it up. So that's, that's one recommend, that, that's one, one of the strategies that we'll be using. So um, you, you are invited to make a decision about one specific imaginative tool that you're going to use for the next week. You can either use an affirmation. I like affirmations because they're short. <laughs> or you can do scripting. So you can write about, the, the, um, write about it as though it were already happening. This is what Jeanette Moore calls the Prey Rain Journal. Um, and you write it in detail and you write it with lots of juicy sensory detail and lots of appreciation as though it were happening right now. So you, in, with, this, with, the, with the scripting, you can write about the specifics of you know, going to eat out every night. You can write about the specifics of the beautiful home where you live with the peace and quiet and the lovely neighbours. So you can write about the details. Um, it's a good idea to change the details on a daily basis. So one day you might write about the brand new house you've just moved into and all the luxury finishing in, on all the surfaces. And the next day you might write about the fabulous luxury camping holiday that you're on uh, on safari somewhere. And the next day you might write about um, the, the generous donations that you've been able to make to your favorite charities. So you get to play with those details and you do it with, and you bring to it that spirit of enjoyment. If it feels like a chore, then it's not the right tool for you. If it feels like fun and excitement and anticipation and enjoyment, and if it and if it feels like enjoyment because it doesn't kind of if it makes you feel like oh but I can't do this yet if it just put if it pushes on the pain point of the gap between where you are now and where you want to be then it's not the tool for you so only use scripting if you can really step into it with enjoyment it is as I said it's an act of imagination and we all have the capacity to do that. This just may not be that right tool for you right now. You can use vision boards in the same way. The reason I like Pinterest as for vision board, I don't do a lot of visual stuff. I play with it from time to time because it takes me out of my habit zone. It's a you know it kind of gets my attention in different ways. If you're a visual person and you like playing with visual stuff, um, you can either have a vision board that you create and then you sort of immerse in it, or what I like to do is use Pinterest and the activity of looking for new images to that match up with the, the abundance identity I have decided upon, that can be a really fun thing to do. So this is almost the reverse, Julie, you'll be familiar with this um, idea again. This is almost the reverse of what we talked of, of that way of using Pinterest to explore who the identity is. This is where you know who the identity is, so you might need a separate board for this. And you are, you are finding images that match that identity. So you've got your ingredients. So for example, I know that my, one of the things my abundance identity has is a beautifully made bed. And that can mean either I make it or my husband makes it. It doesn't matter. Or a member of staff makes it. I don't have that yet, but maybe one day. Who knows? Um, but the, the point is I have a beautifully made bed. And so I might, for example, 
include pictures of beautifully made beds, really luxurious bedding. I, I actually like my bed very minimalist. I can't abide stacks of cushions on it, but I quite like looking at those images. I just find it really annoying to live with because you've got to put the cushions somewhere when you go to bed. Um, so I might look for minimalist bedding solutions rather than the sort of very luxe, ornate bedding with, you know, 16 pillows on, ornamental pillows on the bed. So you will need to make sure that it fits in with your taste. Same as when you're scripting. Um, affirmations, keep it, you can actually go back to your replacement thought. If you used a replacement thought for vibration rehab, you could use that thought or you could create a new thought. You could create a new affirmation. Um, one of the ones I like is um, my money loves me and it is always super reliable. Uh, but you can come up with something if that, again, with affirmations, you need to design something that doesn't trigger a really strong kind of reaction of, well, that's just bullshit because <laughs> that's not going to be helpful. So that's going to be your homework for this week. That's part one of your homework is to find the imaginative um, tool that you want to use and design it. So if you're designing an affirmation, feel free to share it in the, um, uh, in the, in the group. Uh, if you want to share, if you want to do your scripting in the group, feel free to, but please mark it that that's what you're doing so we know, so that we know you're not asking for solutions or, or asking for commentary. Don't feel you have to share this with the group. Um, I, my personal preference is not to share too much. Um, obviously, I'm sharing with you guys. The sharing thing, there's a benefit to being stealthy with this work, and the benefit is that you you are not exposing this fragile, tender, newborn energy to anything that's too harsh. So you definitely don't want to be telling friends and family what you're creating at the moment. You can share stuff with the group if it feels good. If it feels good to you to do that, to sort of have supportive eyes on it, then do that. If you want to share your, your scripting and your imagined version of your ideal day or, or your, your trip to wherever or whatever it might be, if you want to share that with the group and get some eyes on it that are going to be that are going to be kind of cheering from the sidelines, then that's I'm sure what you'll get, because <clears throat> as we look at other people's vision for what they're creating, it's inspiring, it's exciting, it's you know it's got so much juice to it. It's it's uh, it's a lovely thing for us to engage with, and the nice thing to remember here as we're playing with this imaginative aspect of the work. Our brains cannot tell the difference between real and imagined. So as you, can, as, as you do your visioning, your scripting, your affirmations, whatever it is that you pick to, to do this imaginative work, in that moment of applying it, your brain can't tell the difference between real and imagined. So it gets the benefit of, there's actually a, um, a it, it's as though we are creating some false memories for our brain. Now I have to say all memories are false in the sense that they are stories that our brain tells itself so they're not they're not they're not real anymore anything that's happened in the past isn't real anymore as we script something or we play with the vision or we write or we practice our affirmations however many times a day we're creating this uh, a set of memories for our brain that supports the brain's belief in abundance so we're shifting again it's part of we're doing some neurological changes here with affirmations how you use your affirmations is up to you one of the techniques I like to use for affirmations when I'm using affirmations is to um, link it to a habit that I already have. 
Um, so, for example, if you shave every day for the blokes in the who for the men folk here, if you shave every day, uh, practice your affirmation in the mirror as you're shaving. If you if you can do it out loud without cutting yourself, I've never shaved my face, so I have no idea how this works. But if you can talk while you're shaving, then say it out loud as you eyeball yourself in the mirror. Or we could all of us do this. We can do it when we're cleaning our teeth. We can do it when we're drinking a glass of water. So that's one really good way to do it. Every time you drink a glass of water, you recite your affirmation in your head. Don't try and do it out loud at the same time. Nobody's going to, no, that's not going to end well for anyone. Um, so find ways to link your affirmation to existing habits to help embed them in your day more easily. Um, it's much easier to do that than it is to just to try and have a special time. If, you, if, you, if, the, if it works better for you to have a special time, then by all means do that. I'm not suggesting you, that you can't. But linking it to an existing habit is, a, again, it's a brain trick that really helps to kind of um, embed it more quickly. So that's part one of the, the homework. Part two of the homework is um, uh, oh yes, guest three has just commented that Pinterest has private or secret boards that for personal use that no one else can see. So you can create a Pinterest board if you're on Pinterest already. You probably know this, but in case you didn't, you can have a private. You can set it a board to private so no one else can see it, which is a really nice way of keeping it to yourself. Sort of this, it's got this nice sense of hugging it to yourself, like a a tender newborn. I really like that, giving it ch a chance to grow. Um, the other part of the homework is, um, so that first part is what I call imprinting. The second part is anchoring. And this is where you embed that you actually step up and inhabit your, <clears throat> pardon me, your abundance identity. Excuse me, I had to cough. Sorry about that. Um, frog in the throat. This is the part where you inhabit your abundance identity in a visceral and ordinary everyday way. Because we can spend maybe even, you know, we can spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe even half an hour doing the imaginative work. But there's another 23 and a half hours of the day where we're out there living an ordinary life. And our brain and the universe are constantly checking in with us to see what we're lined up with. This is where we can inhabit our abundance identity for the other hours of the day. So, so we can inhabit our abundance identity while we sleep. And the way to do that is to have the last thing at night, have a last thing at night ritual that you know is something that your abundance identity would do. And that, again, is up to you how you design that. But what, that's one of the things that you, can in, that you can interrogate as part of your crafting of your abundance identity. She probably, she or he probably appreciates their bed. Um, I do that every night as I snuggle in, as I t after I've turned out the light, as I snuggle in, I spend a few seconds just really loving my pillow and loving my sheets and loving my bedding and loving my bed um, and loving the fact that I am in shelter, the fact that I am, you know, if I can hear the rain on the roof, that's great because it means that I'm not wet. <laughs> It's outside and I'm inside. Um, so anything that you can find to appreciate in that in those last few moments before falling asleep is really potent. It helps you to feel abundant as you're falling asleep, and that means that as you're falling asleep, you've kind of you've lined your brain up with being abundant in the moments before you fall asleep. <clears throat> so that kind of takes care of a solid six to eight hours of the of the day. 
which is great. When you wake up in the morning, this is why your abundant identities rising ritual is important. If it's if you, if you look at the details that you've put down for that and you can't make it, you can't have it in your real life right now. Look at ways that you can have a, a, a the, the essential ingredient of it. So, for example, um, if you if I were working with somebody who was wanting to create a relationship, I know this is a different topic, but this is a really good this is a good place to have an example. Um, if I were to ask them about the identity of someone who's in relationship, how would they wake up? The first thing they might say is, "Well, I, I roll over and I hug my sweetie." My my response to that will be, "What is it that you get from hugging your sweetie? You need to do that on your own. You need to be able to do that on your own." So that might be a sense of um, feeling cozy. It might be a sense of feeling connected. It might be a sense of um, sensory delight. So all of whatever those things are that you get first thing in the morning from having from having someone else in the bed with you, you need to be able to find the ways to, 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 to get to the essential ingredients and then activate those. So when it comes to abundance, your abundance identity and how they wake up in the morning, if they wake up and there are flowers on the nightstand, then before you go to bed the night before, make sure you have flowers on the nightstand. That might mean raiding your, as I, as I did recently myself, that might mean raiding the rose bushes in the driveway, in the common area driveway. Uh, it might mean picking out a single flower from your garden. It might mean picking a dandelion flower from the, from the um, nature strip outside your home or from the park. In Australia, be a bit careful about taking flowers from the park because we do have some bylaws that say you're not allowed to. But um, it can mean all of that. It could mean having buying, uh, going to a thrift shop or um, going to a um, you know a reject shop, a two dollar shop, and buying a really really beautiful fake flower and putting that in a glass and having that on your nightstand. There are going to be any number of solutions to finding ways to implement your the, the details of your abundance identity. And if you've got if you've done the data point list, you have a really comprehensive list of the things you know about that abundance identity. Your homework is to find ways to put those into place. Now you don't have to do all of them because if you've if you're like me, you've come up with a pretty long list. You don't have to implement all of them. But start with the ones that are easiest to implement or the ones that you are already doing. If you are, again, I'll use the making my bed example. When I make my bed, if my husband's made my bed, it's fantastic, our bed, it's our bed, not my bed. Um, if, I, if my husband's made the bed, I just, I just spend a couple of seconds really appreciating it and, and kind of just tweaking the corners a little bit so it's exactly how I like it. Um, if I am making the bed, as I shake out my duvet and, and fluff it up and fold, fold it the way I like it, um, as I do that, I'm doing it consciously in a way that, in a way that deliberately and conscious, consciously connects me to a feeling of abundance. I'm appreciating the bedding. I'm appreciating the fact that I really like the luxurious way I fold my bed. I fold my duvet um, the way that it sits on my bed. It's, I, I, I do it in a way that makes me feel like I'm staying in a, in a chic European hotel. And I really spend maybe two minutes, maybe it doesn't take me that long to make the bed, maybe two minutes, it, 
that whole for that whole period of time, I'm not just making the bed as a sort of an afterthought and while I'm thinking about something else. I'm immersing in my abundance identity in that act of making the bed or tweaking the bed or smoothing the sheets or whatever it is I'm doing around making the bed. That's just one example. So so your invitation this week, your homework this week is to find the imaginative tool that you want to work with and look at your um, in abundance identity and find the ways that you can inhabit it now, that you can anchor it into the real world um, throughout your day. The, it, if you can spend, you know, if you can spend 50% of your day consciously inhabiting that abundance identity, and remember we've already talked about how you can spend your time asleep inhabiting your abundance identity, so you've already taken care of a third of the day. If you can spend 50% of your day consciously reaching for that abundance identity, you're already there. And this is a work in progress. So don't expect that you'll be able to do it all straight away. Um, there is a tool that I suggest you could implement. Uh, and this is, um, uh, 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 there's a, an app that you can get certainly for the iPhone, I think for Android as well, but I'm not sure, called Remindfulness, which um, you, can, you can adapt, you can customize it to how you want, but basically it will it'll set off a little alarm every every so often. And you can set it to 15 minutes, to half an hour, to whatever you like. Half an hour I think is about right. It's, it's just often enough to remind you to tap into some act, activity or um, uh, a thought or a, um, uh, to some part of that data point list that you've made some part of that abundance identity. It's a reminder to say, activate that abundance identity now. So you, it interrupts you because we all of us, our brains have these habituated ways of being in the world. These habituated thoughts, they kind of run on these tracks and we have the same thoughts over and over and over and over again. So having this tool to interrupt you, it's, a, it's like a pattern interrupt. So let it interrupt you. The only time I turn mine off, I still use this, the only time I turn it off is when I'm about to do a call like this or I'm about to do a client appointment. Um, that yes, guest 10 says that there's mindfulness bell, a similar thing. It will just ding a bell at you and you know at, at a pre-set time. So you set how often you want it to go off and then every time it goes off, you set it to go off again in another half hour or whatever. Um, and you can set it for however long you want. Uh, there are other apps around. Uh, if you do a search for mindfulness or um, alarms or things like that, you can even just use the alarm on your phone. Um, just use the timer on your phone if you've got one. So there's a number of different techniques you can use. But having a way, having something to externally interrupt you, interrupt your brain. So it's not so much about interrupting you, it's interrupting your brain. Your brain's going off on its merry way, on its channels, doing its usual thing. And you want to interrupt it and draw its attention back to this new identity that you are crafting. Because what we're doing here is all about rewiring your brain so that it is a match for what you want, what you want to create. Now, um, I have to finish this call in about 15 minutes. So I'm going to open it up for questions. Um, if we can just stick to questions about the homework for now. Um, but if nobody has any questions about the homework, then we'll, uh, uh, we'll, I can open up, up to other things. Sorry, I'm getting incoherent with excitement now. 
Um, so any questions at all about the homework or about this approach to identity shifting? Uh, yeah, this is Catherine. Um, I, I, I get stuck because I can't think of many examples. So just whatever I get work with and just wait for the others to come through. Because mm -hmm. like, as I'm thinking of things, I'm going, well, it's not really related to abundance. It's more like to confidence or it might be to, you know, boundaries or connectedness or, you know. So I was a little... Oh, this is... Yes. Oh, fantastic question. And thank you so much. Because, again, if you have a look through my example, mm -hmm. you can look at a lot of those things and see that um, they, are, they are multifaceted. Okay. And... That's because we don't really live in a compartmentalized world. You know, our brains don't think that way. Yeah. We, our brains see things in a very holistic way. Our left brain sees things in a very linear way. It's true. And it's very logistical and it, it, and it boxes things up. It likes to categorize things. But our right brain sees the whole. And as we're doing this work, we are going to be activating. Our, you, you guys will have been activating your right brain in new ways as a result of the work you've been doing in the first couple of weeks. So the Vibe Rehab stuff, all of those things will have been sort of shifting the focus. And in fact, this is worth talking about in a little more detail. So our left brain is very linear. This is why we, we, we are looking at things in this more holistic way and looking at the underpinning ingredients because our left brain gets caught up in a sequence of how it wants to it wants to plan things out it wants to know how we're going to do this and we have to kind of turn it off for a moment because because of its linear nature it draws on the past for how to do things and if our past has not been abundant it's really difficult for us to t tackle abundance with just that linear approach so everything that we're doing in this work is is designed to light up the right brain, to activate the right brain as we use imagination. As we use, so we've been using our imagination to create this abundance identity that requires the right brain creativity and it requires us to sort of switch off left brain temporarily in order to do that act of imagination, to even come up with this identity. And as you've done that, then you've kind of also been switching off the part that that knows how to box things up. So it's not surprising that your abundance identity also brings with it aspects like connection, confidence, um, uh, and, and a bunch of other things. So I think as long as you are beginning the interrogation of what this looks like from that perspective of how would my abundance personnel, you know, how would my abundance identity be if I had all the money in the world what would that what would who would I be? That's really the question we're asking. And the answer we get will be things like I will be more confident, um, I will be more more joyful, I will be relaxed, I will be peaceful, I will be calm, whatever those things might be. Now that's broad strokes. When it when I when it comes to the designing the profile of your abundance identity, that's when we kind of get into those nitty gritty details. And you may well find that they are that they seem to be more about things like confidence and connection and so on. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does. I guess so. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Okay. So, my, my invitation to you guys is: if you have aspects of your abundance identity that you have crafted, 
and you don't you have no idea how to bring that into your real life right now because it seems like one of those things that I can't do that until I have the money bring it to the group and we'll tease it out because there might be some things like for example one of my um one of my abundance identity things is that her office has a beautiful view and I can tell you sitting in my office right now I look out at a at a, a, a side fence that is about three feet away from the glass <laughs> and it's not a pretty fence there is a tree that sits right up above it there's a, a big big tree in uh, sort of on the other side of the neighbor's yard which it's massive that I can see from here um, so I, I can I can put up artwork I can um, I could even I do have I've got some quite pretty lace curtains I'm not a fan of lace curtains but these ones are quite nice that are softening the view so I can look at my window and I can say, I like the curtains, I like the design on them, and I like the tree. I've got elements of a perfect, of a beautiful view. And I can choose whether to focus on the fence or on the curtains and the tree. And so in that moment, I can focus on the curtain and the tree. And, the, and there's some um, ground cover that I can see on the ground as well because it's a floor-to-ceiling window. Um, so you can tweak this, but if, there's a, if there is a section that you can't, that you just can't wrap your head around how to how to step into it now how to inhabit it now then please bring it to the group and we will tease it out together if that makes sense um, so any other any other questions <laughs> guest 10 says paint the fence oh seriously I, that that is a consideration I would do that except I don't I I think going into winter it's probably not a thing I really want to do but I think I love the idea I may well take that on board thank you for that <laughs> Get someone else to paint the fence, maybe. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted myself. Oh, so any questions? Any other questions? Hello. Hello. <laughs> any questions at all? So any questions at all about where anybody is, if anybody's got um, in feeling the need for any coaching or any support, we've got time to do that. So if you've got something far away. Wow, you guys are good. <laughs> um, oh, guess three, will there be a call next Sunday on Easter? Oh, what a good question. I had forgotten that it will be sun Easter Sunday for you guys in the US. Um, uh, I might put it up to a vote in the Facebook group and see what the majority want to do. Um, for me, it, it, um, it's, it, it'll be Easter Monday here and it won't make any, any difference to me. So I'm happy to do it on the Sunday, but I understand that people may have family things on, especially if they celebrate Easter. So I will put it up for a vote in the group and we'll, we'll, we'll work it out there. Um, I'll just I'll just do a question thing and people can say whether they want to do it on the Sunday or if they want to postpone it by 24 hours, um, which is an option. Uh, okay, so it, I'm going to do one more round. Going, going, gone. Going, going, gone. I just have a comment. <laughs> this is Catherine again. My, my yeah. understanding of Prey Rain Journal is it, it could be short. It doesn't have to be long. Good, good point. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be long at all. You can keep it short. Um, I like what you I said, one detail, because otherwise I get, it's too much. So I'm going to do that. 
Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, you can do it in a shorter way. I like to go into, like I know that um, Cassie Parks teaches a version of um, Prey Rain journaling, which is really, really long. And I've had my coach encourage me to do a, a, a to do scripting that is a thousand words each time. And I have to say, um, that's a bit of a stretch even for me um, to do it that long. So um, make it juicy and engaging and as long as it needs to be in order to tell the story. I think that's the principle to go with with prayer and journaling rather than looking for us. There is no one ideal length. If if you get the juice from it, from keeping it short, then do that. And remember, that's only half the story. That's only the, that's the imaginative tool where you're getting really specific about what you're creating and um, and you get to change the detail of it each time you use it. And you and the other half, of course, is the is implementing the the data points. Alrighty. Well, I think that means we are wrapping it up. Um, thank you so much, everyone who was on the call today. A special shout out and thanks to Julie and to Catherine for being willing to step up and share their questions and their um, uh, and their ideas. Um, it is. I know it's a um, it's a really a courageous thing to do. Um, I also want to say for anybody who's listening to the recording who wasn't here live on the call, if you have questions, well, this goes for everybody. If you were on the call and you only think of your question later or you weren't quite ready to ask it or, you've, or frame it, any questions that you have, please, or any assistance that you need, please ask in the group. That's what it's there for. Um, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. We are all in this together. I'm doing my own work on, on this. Um, I'm still doing my letters to money. Oh, and... Letters to money, Julie takes a bow and says, thank you. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> um, with letters to money, keep on with your letters to money. And this is where you can start to bring in, you can start to tell money about the fun that you guys are going to have together because money is playful. So as you work with your abundance identity and bringing this into reality, you can use your monies to letter. Sorry, your letters to money, your money to letter. I clearly need to get a bit more sleep. Um, you can use your letters to money as another way to um, to start to step into this identity because you can start to write letters to money as though you were already in that abundance identity. So that might even be something you want to add to your data points about your abundance abundance identity. You might want to start thinking about how would that identity write to money? What kind of letters would that that identity be writing to money, and start playing with that as you write those letters? You can in, you can include money in on the game. Let money know that this is what you're doing. You're creating your new abundance identity, and so now I'm going to be writing to you money from the perspective of abundance. And I'm going to be writing about how much fun we're going to be having. I'm going to be writing about how much I love you. I'm going to be writing about how good you are to me. So you can start playing with that in your letters to money. And I think that will be a, a kind of a nice way to bring that playfulness into the into the communication with money, into that relationship. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for being here. And thank you to everyone who's on the recording. And I will see you guys in the Facebook group. Uh, like I said, any questions, anything you need to tease out, any clarification that you need, feel free to ask um, in the group and please do because we all benefit. Every time you ask a question, like I said, there's no such thing as a dumb question or a stinky question. So we all benefit every time somebody asks a question. So feel free. <laughs> I encourage it. <laughs>
Thank you, Sam. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. And um, I will see you in the group. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.